Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and The Network Incorporated. You really uh, trust Tucker now to always lead the way, where you would think if somebody was sick that, that they would sort of retreat and you would then um, have to take over for him. He is always leading the way on how he's going to do this, how he's going to eat, how he's going to breathe. He's always got strategies and he always has a sense of humor. So I'm amazed. Against the impossible limitations of Lou Gehrig's disease, a truly creative spirit rallies with support from loved ones. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. The thing about having ALS, or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, known as Lou Gehrig's disease, is that your mental awareness remains intact, may even be heightened. Meanwhile, the functions of your body, the ability to move your limbs, to walk, to talk, in some cases to swallow properly, collapse one by one. Your nervous system is breaking down. Your muscles are wasting, and now, in a wheelchair, you're watching this implosion in slow motion as you become paralyzed and most likely die within a few years. They've discovered the defective gene, but medical science doesn't yet know how to stop ALS. This is the story of a truly remarkable spirit, a lighthearted, brilliant film editor, musician, and artist near Los Angeles named Tucker Stilley. His wife, also a film editor, is Lindsay Mofford. Tucker's a great, great uh, string instrument player, and Tucker was trying to play the mandolin, and his fingers weren't working, and he thought maybe he had been on the computer too much. Then he started falling a lot, and we thought it was an old football injury, and we both are terrible about going to doctors. Ugh. But he started feeling this numbness all over the place, but we still thought, eh, and um, it was our daughter, who wasn't even five yet. She was like four and a half. She said, oh, that's my daddy. He falls down a lot. And that's when we suddenly realized, oh, my goodness. The diagnosis of ALS was confirmed by doctors in 2005 when Tucker was 43. Medical costs would be relatively modest because there's no effective treatment. The outlook was bleak, a downward spiral that would increasingly limit his career and would ultimately threaten his life. As use of his hands worsened, Tucker, who had always been computer savvy, tried out different voice recognition programs that would translate his spoken words into text on a screen. But even that became problematic as his voice deteriorated too. In this recording, the impairment causes Tucker to slur his words. It keeps looking at me like, 
hey, you're not the guy you said you were. You're not pronouncing stuff the way you did yesterday. Because my voice is, you would laugh. I will barely be able to talk. And then it comes right back, and I'm almost as good as, as ever. Right now, I'm at this very moment, I'm sort of like 40%. What are you looking for? The other end of the court. Friends and family of Tucker Stilly fuss with various cords and tubes extending from a rack of medical devices next to his wheelchair in his living room in the Los Angeles suburb of San Marino. They help him to breathe, eat, and clear his lungs. With an oxygen mask on his face, he sits wrapped in a blanket by the fireplace where a log is burning on a coolish Southern California Sunday afternoon. A small reflective dot is attached to Tucker's forehead. A special camera fixed to the laptop computer in front of him detects the location of the dot. When Tucker pivots his head, it shifts the location of the cursor on the screen. Through subtle neck movements, he can control an on-screen keyboard to type words, which in turn are pronounced by a synthesized voice he has selected, in this case a female voice. At the moment, Tucker's breathing tube has gotten tangled. My air hose is snagged on something. Tucker's younger brother, Philip, untangles the hose. Thanks a billion. I always say, you're welcome a trillion. That's Tucker's dad, Hugh Stilley, a professor of technical writing at Kettering University in Flint, Michigan. He has moved to L.A. to help care for his son. Well, I'd say the, the disease comes on very gradually, and at first it was um, quite possible to uh, do much of what we had done before with, with Tucker. But as time went on, the sphere of activity and the range of those activities became smaller and smaller. And um, so when we first came here, why, it, it was kind of uh, just uh, be with Tucker and hang out. But gradually, as he uh, lost uh, his arms and his voice, why things uh, took a turn for, the, for a very different situation. Although Tucker can communicate a paragraph through a single glance or through the sparkle in his eyes, his physical voice has gone silent. But we have his music. And we have the text of his words, which he sent to me in an email interview. They're read here by a narrator. I have just about beaten the odds. Five years is the upper statistical life expectancy for ALS, but I'm pretty much on schedule. At this point, I can flex my legs, a few fingers, and rotate my neck. My facial muscles mostly work. Swallowing became risky a year ago, so I eat through a tube in my belly. I haven't eaten anything in a year. Interestingly, this makes it impossible for me to watch commercial television. The simplest salad dressing ad is excruciating and pizza advertisements are pornographic. I require mechanical aid to breathe, so I wear a nose mask 24-7. Perhaps the least attractive aspect of the disease's manifestation in me, for it has startlingly different effects in different people, is complete loss of control over my salivary glands. 
What was my total inability to speak and my incessant drooling? I'm often mistaken for a severely retarded or brain damaged case, an unsatisfactory state of affairs. Tucker and Lindsay, interviewed here in their late 40s, met as high school students in New Hampshire and have remained a couple ever since. Sometimes they work on films as a team at their home studio. At one point when their daughter Juno was an infant, her bassinet would lie between their editing rigs. ALS has changed the nature of their collaboration. Lindsay Mofford. I was a wreck when I first and couldn't believe it was true. And Tucker uh, immediately was able to seem to process it in a much more spiritual way than I was able to. What do you mean? Well, I... I just immediately saw that um, the expectations I had, we just had had a child, and um, we had been together so long that it was so surprising that I couldn't see what the future was going to be like, and I couldn't, I was not used to living day to day. I was definitely somebody who took care of stuff today, but was always looking forward to tomorrow. So I'm the kind of person who's working on a job, but thinking about where we're going to go on vacation. And this immediately put a halt to that. And when a doctor tells, when you're sitting there and a doctor tells you that your husband has three to five years to live, it's like, um, but then, and I realized that the only way to survive through that shock is to to stop and to look around and say, well, we have today. And in a strange way, after so much time together, it's really... It's really, you could almost say it's become more beautiful. You stop and you just look at each other, and I'm not running around as much. And Tucker's definitely helped me in that. Um, how? Because I've watched how he's processed it, and it being facing death, and there's no way around it. That is what he's doing. Tucker has always been incredibly brave. He's always been sort of the courageous one. Uh, both physically and emotionally. And to watch how he has handled this, I'm in awe. And I think one reason so many people have been drawn to him since he's been, since he's gotten the diagnosis is that they're in awe of him because he is so taken this and he has not taken it as with pity. He has taken it in a strange way as a gift. Not that he wants to leave this earth, but seeing that this is a time for him to really search spiritually inside. And it's sort of teaching all of us to stop what we're doing in this crazy, busy world and just breathe and think about what's going on inside us and what we could be and who we should be and what's really valuable. Lindsay believes that by not succumbing to the depths of despair in the face of a fatal prognosis, Tucker has actually lengthened his life. I asked him about that in our email interview. It's a mystery to me. It's a secret. Perhaps I'm not interested in despair. I have had previous experience with despair. It's a bore. Maybe I want a universe where I am brave. I'm not facing anything that all of you won't eventually face and that everyone hasn't always faced. That may seem like cold comfort, but when I consider all those that went before, I see how I can go on, how I can do it. I'll tell you one thing. You can't fight despair. You have to let it pass through you. Plus, one of my superpowers is denial. As he loses an ability 
for instance, he's, he, until a couple of months ago, he could use his fingers still pretty easily. Uh, not the way that we can, but he can make some movement with them, which means that he could control an electric wheelchair. And he could control buttons to do certain things for him. And as he's lost that, then he suddenly will go to a, little, a dark side for a little while and say, oh. And as he says, he feels more and more like he's a brain in a jar. Or he said to me the other day, is my robot done that you put my brain into? Um, I assume but, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> uh, I think it's still a struggle for him. I think it would be impossible that it wouldn't be. I think he's come to terms with it emotionally on one hand, but then when he looks at our daughter, he gets crushed. There's no way around it. Ten-year-old, beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I think it's also, it's hard to know where the line's drawn between where he accepts it because he's at a certain place spiritually and where he accepts it because he has no other choice. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment with Tucker Stilley, please check our website, humanmedia.org. On the day I visited Tucker's home near Los Angeles, a group of more than a dozen friends who've pitched in to look after him had gathered for a party. A few were seated near the lemon tree in the backyard. I've never actually met somebody quite like him, and it seems like every time someone has a terrible condition like this, they always become instantly canonized. But, you know, when I heard it was it was Tucker that had this, I my first response was, oh, why does it have to be him? You know, but it really hasn't changed him. It, the only thing that's changed is the pace is different. Uh, everything has to be slower, you know, and... Uh, that sort of, for the rest of us anyway, uh, if you're not having to deal with what he's dealing with, isn't bad either. It's, you come over and it's even more relaxed. Um, well, we're all a little bit too speeded up in our yeah. culture anyway. And it's, you know, it forces you to really slow down because <clears throat> if, for him to communicate, it just takes him physically a while to respond. But uh, you kind of come now and you just go, ah. Everyone is a little astounded at how Tucker masterfully works the computer through slight movements of his neck. He calls this using his head. Through graphic software, he created a mind-blowing comic book about his journey, which he titled The Permanent Record of New Jack Rasputin. Though laced with keen, ironic humor, wrote the Los Angeles Times, it is a tale of existential proportions. He produced a wild video showing how he interacts with the computer. You can link to these through our website, humanmedia.org. Just the miracle of yeah. technology in the last five years mm -hmm. has come so far that we actually, we actually get... And how smart he is and how he sought it. I mean, he's... he's yeah, half the stuff he figures out. When he found out he was ill, he's the one who sought out all the help he could to help himself. Stay engaged with all of us, too, and stay engaged with the world. He, 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 he knew the tools that were available and, was, and figured out how to, how to master them so that he can be with us. As Tucker's needs have increased, one sacrifice that ALS has exacted from him is anything resembling privacy. His brother-in-law, Eric Mofford. 
it is hard for him to always have somebody there, um, even though it's required at this point that somebody comes in and watches over and makes sure that the tubes are where they're supposed to be and things like that. I the, mean, the breathing tube. Yeah, I mean, coughing, the breathing, the hands. Yeah. If he's comfortable, if he's not comfortable, can he? Is can, is his computer top down a little bit so he can't get a reflect going, so he can't itching? Yeah. yeah. All the, the little t little things like that. That, that needs 24-7 care right now. The one thing that I've realized is that how wonderful and amazing the brain is, and Tucker's brain is 100%, and in, in some ways even more creative than it ever was, even though he's always been a creative guy, because he has a lot of time that he is able to use that brain since he's not using you know the body functions to do the things like wash dishes or things like that. Tucker Stilly. I always had a very noisy mind. But as I lost my voice, my thoughts became very clear and very loud. There was nowhere to hide, so to speak. So I finally really started listening. I cleared the decks. I was forced to take myself seriously. I quickly learned I had to trust myself. Time was put into perspective, and I became playful and decisive. I had been creatively paralyzed when I had all the time in the world, now, time was my medium, and I could judge it accurately. There's a curious time travel side effect that really got my attention. I've heard a couple of other ALS people mention it. It's quite vivid, and when you connect the dots, there is a feeling of purposefulness. As far as what I feel purposely focused on now, I must sadly report that I have encountered difficulties, and I am at another crossroad feeling quite overwhelmed. I've simply got too many open projects, which is fine, but they aren't integrating properly. When I am stopped cold in my tracks by the disease, I have to think my way out of it. Every turn of the screw, I have to do more with less. I am glad that I'm writing this interview right now, for example. Are you good? What's that? I think everything's good. Uh, the oven's still on. But you don't need Tucker Stilly readily acknowledges that his ability to remain engaged with others and creatively vital hinges on the extraordinary collection of friends and family who take turns caring for his special needs, his brother-in-law, Eric. My sense is that we've found our roles as friends that we do for Tucker and Lindsay, and I think that, you know, there's... We're all gathered here today kind of to enjoy uh, this moment with Tucker, but most of the time it's one or two people now that come and spend some time with Tucker at one point because it really is overwhelming. There are people that sort of fell off at once Tucker was sick, you know, and there's some of those people who have come and become, you know, even stronger friends since he's been sick that you see more than you did before he got sick. I actually think of myself not necessarily as much a caretaker for Tucker as a caretaker for my sister um, and her daughter. I mean, I sort of see that as my role is to kind of um, sometimes just help her to go out and see other friends away from the house at times. The bigger the group that's taking care of him, the easier it is on the caregivers as well, because there is such a, a group of people helping him. That's it's, and there's and more all the time that it's a, it gets a, it's getting a little easier as opposed to a little more difficult. I mean, it's this weird balance because Tucker, as Tucker gets degenerates more, there's more people coming around. You know, I think crucial people to help. I'm an engineer by trade. 
uh, by education, um, but I'm not really pursuing that currently because it would be difficult to do both. Um, essentially, I just try to uh, you know live life to the fullest for the moment. And at these moments, you know, I'm, I'm down here with my brother. Philip Stilley moved from Oakland, California, to be part of the team helping to care for Tucker. When he first was diagnosed, I, I had blinders on. It was difficult for me to face um, the actual reality of the situation. And um, I figured that my brother wouldn't want me to alter my course for his um, benefit and that he would want me to just, you know, continue being me and doing what I wanted to do and, and pursuing my dreams. And it uh, became clear um, you know, maybe six months before I moved here, it became clear that, you know, I definitely had a significant role in the family and that I should be present and that I was going to have to change my plans to uh, make sure that he had every comfort that he could possibly have. And so that's what I've done. Forgive me for being indelicate, but I can only assume that initially learning of this diagnosis and then watching the uh, course of it had to have been nightmarish at first. It still is. Um, <clears throat> but you have to look at the, the silver lining. Cynthia Stilley, Tucker's mother. Um, we came out here. We never would have been near our granddaughter, and we never would have known Tucker or our other two children as adults as well as we do now. So that's been a good good thing for us. I wouldn't have done it any other way, but to be here for him, it's hard to talk about it. It has to be inspiring to see this whole community of people, the friends and co-workers and musician pals and so forth who've just sort of come together and rallied around and become a kind of support system. It, it, it is amazing and it, it lifts my heart to have them all come over. Um, a lot has to do with uh, Tucker's wife, Lindsay, who has gotten together these people and not excluded them. You know, you, one of your... Your natural reactions to this would be to pull away and just stay in the house and just try to hold it together. But she's reached out and invited everybody to come in and give whatever of their talents they have. And, and um, they are embraced, each one of the people that are here today. Um, her sister-in-law, Marisa, was the one who s set up an email correspondence, a network with everybody saying, what what we needed. As you know, Tucker and Lindsay are very beloved and people want to help. There's not been any lack of people offering anything from money to hard labor to gardening to everything. Tucker Stilly. I have experienced such an outpouring of love and generosity on all levels. Time, energy, technical advice, interest, moral support, good reviews and sales, outright cash contributions, benefactors and patrons, consider my mind firmly blown. My case is extreme in that it's so very blatantly obvious that everything that I do, every tiny thing, even the air I breathe, is dependent on the efforts of others in my behalf. Instead of a bittersweet after-school special, my life is more like one long barn raising. 
Again, Tucker's brother-in-law, Eric Mofford. The music that Tucker was doing ever since I've known Tucker, which is, you know, ever since he first started dating my sister when, she, when he was 16, was always out there and kind of uh, experimental and stuff. And actually, when I go into his room in the studio and hear the music he's doing now off the computer, it's almost like the computers have caught up to what Tucker was creating 30 years ago musically. At this jam session in the living room, a couple of musician friends are playing acoustic guitars and drums, while the electronic music is being created spontaneously by Tucker, whose head movements adjust the software on his computer. What does going through ALS however uninvited a trial it is, allow a person to see about life that might be harder to see otherwise? Well, it's really cherishing each day. Tucker's wife, Lindsay. And there is something to be said about making somebody else your absolute priority. I mean, we, as a mother... And as a friend to a lot of people, and as a loyal film editor, many a directors, I feel that I already do, or one thinks that they do. But you actually actually have to get out of your own head because you have to. The caregiving is so intense that you really can't be daydreaming in your own head, um, especially when you're with him, because you can be really close to somebody, both physically and mentally. But perhaps you're still not 100% there. Um, this way, you really want to be there. A, it might, frankly, be his last week. That's how intense this disease is. Are you living with that perpetually? Yeah, yeah I am. Um, and to, to pretend that that's not intensely sad. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing. But because of that, because he can go at any time, um, there's two ways to go, right? Either you can be, t be holding your breath the whole time and in pain or just say, oh, well, let's see. It's beautiful out and he's beautiful. Look at him. What's he doing? He's not lying in bed moping about what's happening. He is ready to go and, and make a beautiful piece of art. So what the hell's wrong with me? I can walk to my computer, so I better start getting my work done too. Or, uh, of course, it's also helped that we both were kind of born optimistic, frankly. <laughs> um, I think life is beautiful. And, of course, I'm lucky, right, because I can say that because there I was. I fell in love with, I met the man of my dreams at 15. I never went through a lot of the pain, a lot of people, the loneliness. I was, I've never really been lonely, so I've been really lucky. And if you ask me what I'm most scared of about this... Mm. Well, we'll see. My spiritual faith is love. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing in this community around Tucker. I've been to support groups for the people who have the illness and didn't have love around them. 
they just they 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 left they left the planet really fast that doesn't mean they didn't have the money for a really great nurse but um it's love so yeah i have i have great spirit spiritual sense and it's love You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal and Kathy Graham. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Except for our theme song, all music in this program was composed and performed by Tucker Stilley. Special thanks to narrator Robert O'Connell, to Kate Stilley-Steiner, and Tony Buck. Our program is produced by Human Media in association with WGBH Boston and The Network Incorporated. Program development provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment with Tucker Stilley is Humankind Program number 147. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.